Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Jackie. Good morning. Good morning. Wake everybody up this morning. Good to see you this morning. I'm thankful for our worship team, aren't you? And the worship that they lead us uh, each and every week. So thank you again, Scott. Thank you, Jackie, for that. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to go ahead and grab those. Uh, We're going to be in Acts this morning. Acts chapter 4. And as we get going this morning, I just want to start out as I was thinking about our text this morning and what we're going to be uh, studying. Over the past couple weeks, I had this great idea for me and Maddie, my fiance. We, uh, over growing up, I have come to love uh, one specific movie franchise uh, over any other, and that is the Marvel superhero kind of franchise, right? If you may have seen some of these movies, you may be kind of a fan of those as well. And I've seen most of them. I've really enjoyed watching them throughout the years. Maddie has seen a couple of them. And so I kind of got this strange idea one day. I said, hey, what about if we started from start to finish and we watched all 20-something of these movies? I was like, why not? And to my surprise, she said yes, right? And she was like, sure, I'll, I'll watch these movies. And so uh, we have started, and we're about halfway through. I think we finished, I think we've got like 14 more to go or something like that. So we're, we're right in the thick of it. And the, at, at the start of these Marvel movies, at the start of the whole storyline of these Marvel movies, is Captain America, right? You may, you may know Captain America, and, and uh, whether you've read the comics or seen the movies or whatever it may be, And Captain America, if you know his story, Steve Rogers, right? He started out, he was a five foot four kid from Brooklyn, New York, right? And he wanted nothing more than the first Captain America takes place in World War II. And he wanted nothing more than to go fight in the war. He wanted nothing more than to go and serve his country and fight in World War II. But the army recruiters would never take him. He was a short, scrawny little kid who could, who could barely muster up to anybody. And so uh, throughout a series of events and these sort of things, he be- becomes involved in this science experiment, right? And he's, uh, he's subject to this experiment where all of a sudden he becomes Steve Rogers, no longer 5'4", little scrawny kid, but he grows to 6'3", right? And he becomes the Captain America that we know right? Huge, muscular. I mean, this guy's just jacked, right? If you've seen the movies. And he becomes Captain America. And then he goes on, right, to fight in the war. He goes on to do all these amazing and miraculous things. And growing up, as I've watched these different uh, superhero movies, and I've, I've watched Captain America and Iron Man and all these different movies, Growing up, maybe you were like me as a kid, you wished you could have some of these superpowers, right? You wished you could have uh, super strength. You wished you could fly. You wished you could do all these different things, have uh, mind control powers and all these things, right? It's like, man, we could accomplish so much more in a day, right? If I just had super strength, right? If I was just, uh, if I could run at the speed of light, I would have so much more time to do things I wanted to do throughout the day. And oftentimes now, I find myself still wanting to have some superpowers sometimes when it comes to being a follower of Christ. Sometimes I find myself wishing 
That, man, I I just wish I could reach one more, or I wish I could uh, do more. I wish I could have better uh, teaching. I wish I was more bold in doing this or that as a believer. And you may feel that way sometimes as well. If only I had superpowers. If only I was the next, I don't know, Billy Graham to where I could just reach thousands and thousands of people. But thankfully, as we'll look at this morning, we're not called to have supernatural abilities, or we're not called to have superpowers as followers of Christ. And we're not called, God doesn't call us to have these kinds of superpowers. God uniquely gifts each and every one of us to do the work of ministry in our lives. But He does so. He gifts us just as we are. He gifts us as just regular, normal people. And beyond that, to take that a step further, He gifts us as sinful, broken people, doesn't He? And that's what I want us to consider quickly this morning, how each and every one of us can do the work of Christ as ordinary people. And so, like I said, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 this morning. We're going to look at this in three respects. We're going to look at it from a few examples from Peter and John. First, Peter and John relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter and John did not give up at the first sign of hardship, and Peter and John boldly proclaimed the gospel. And before we jump into Acts chapter 4 this morning, uh, let's just get a little uh, context and see where we are at in uh, this story. So in chapter 3, just before this, Peter has healed a, lamb, a lame man at the temple gates. Right? That's, where, uh, that's where Peter and John have just come from. And then Peter then speaks uh, to the crowds there at the temple gates about their sin, about how they have fallen short, and how they are in need of Jesus. And all of these things have kind of culminated, all right, and it, they've created some tension that we're going to see kind of come to a head here in chapter 4. And up to this point, uh, there has been little resistance to uh, the Christians by the Jewish people. They're responding faithfully to the message that the apostles are teaching in really an overwhelming fashion, which we'll see here in just a few minutes. And there's some conflict that takes place here in this passage, and it occurs with the wealthy Sadducees. Right? And they're upset about uh, the apostles' teaching, and they're kind of shaking up uh, the status quo as they are going around teaching and proclaiming the message of Christ. So with that, let's jump in. Let's look at, we're going to start in Acts chapter 4, and we will start in verse 1. The Bible says this, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, 
If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness who was shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which, by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Skip down to verse 18 real quick. Verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, again, we thank you for the time that you have given us, God, this morning to look at your scripture. God, we are thankful as we see this morning that you call us as we are. God, you call us as ordinary people. So God, this morning, bless our time together as we look at your scriptures. In your son's name we pray, amen. So our first point, the first thing I want us to look at quickly this morning is that Peter and John relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. They relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the most amazing aspects of the book of Acts, if you, if you read through the book of Acts, what you'll see that's absolutely amazing is the apostles' reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And we see the apostles performing amazing miracles in the book of Acts that in some way, in some way or another, are characterized by the reliance of the Holy Spirit. And Acts really gives us one of the, the best looks at the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of individuals. And my favorite phrasing of this, we can see it, you, if you look out for it, look, if, you, if you're taking notes, write this down, because it's how you're going to see the Holy Spirit act when you're reading through the book of Acts. My favorite phrasing of it, as you can see it, it'll say, this person so-and-so, in this, in this case we'll take Peter for example, Peter, and then it'll say, filled with the Holy Spirit, said or did this, and then it'll explain what has happened, right? And, and here's a couple of examples. So just a couple pages over in chapter 2, we see the apostles at Pentecost, right? And if you look in verse 4, we see this phrasing, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, Right? and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Right? So, so we get that. And then in our text this morning in chapter 4, we get it explicitly in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and then he goes on, right? this, this sermon that he essentially preaches before uh, the Sanhedrin. And then one more, you don't have to turn there, but in chapter 13, 
of Acts, we see another time in, in verse 9, then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, said. Right? And so we see this pattern over and over and over again. If you want to look out for instances where the Holy Spirit is at work, that's, that's one of the best ways at how you can see it. And in these examples and in our text this morning, what we see is a total dependency and a total reliance on the Holy Spirit to do the things we see the apostles do. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit working in and through these men, there would have been a lot of effort, but I don't know that there would have been the results that we see in Scripture. And I love the way the passage describes Peter and John in verse 13. I love it. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Unschooled, ordinary men. And I think this is important that we recognize this and we continually remind ourselves of this as we do the work of ministry in each of our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the work in the lives of people. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. He is the one that shows people their need for Christ. And this truth helps us to seek, this truth helps us as we seek to minister to those in our lives. It, can, it really can take the pressure off. It takes the pressure off of us. Maybe you're this way, maybe when you're having a conversation with somebody or maybe with your one right? Maybe this year as we're each seeking to reach one person, maybe in your conversations with them or another person, maybe the gospel comes up or or spiritual conversations start to happen. And you think, man, if this person is not saved by the time they leave this conversation, it's all over, right? Sometimes we put this immense pressure on ourselves. And the truth of the matter is we can take some of the pressure off. We can take the pressure off of ourselves. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. The Holy Spirit is the one that shows people the need for Christ. And aren't you thankful that God calls us to serve Him just the way we are? Aren't you glad that He calls us to serve just the way we are? Like I said, we don't, or like I said earlier, we don't have to be superheroes. We don't have to have superpowers. We don't have to go clean ourselves up. We don't have to learn the Hebrew and the Greek. We don't have to go to school and get a Bible degree just to serve the Lord. Those things are great and those things are effective, right? And I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but we can be effective just as we are through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we cannot be effective without a total dependence and a total reliance on the Holy Spirit to do that work through us. So what do we do about it? In way of application for this point, remind yourself of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Remind yourself of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. I mean, Scripture has uh, so many verses that tell us and show us the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside each and every one of us. One of my favorite, you may know this verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The sad truth of the matter is oftentimes many Christians don't rely on or even believe in the power that lives inside them through the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, the same Spirit that came upon the people at Pentecost is the same people that lives inside of us. The same Spirit that enabled Peter and John to stand boldly in front of the Sanhedrin like they do in this passage, it's the same Spirit that lives inside each and every one of us. And that should give us the confidence as we seek to do the work of ministry in each of our lives. Right? Peter and John relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Second, second thing Peter and John did, Peter and John did not give up at the first sign of hardship. Peter and John did not give up at the first sign of hardship. Another thing that's so amazing in this passage is that, is that Peter and John really uh, persevered throughout the midst of everything that we see in this passage. I mean, we can see that uh, Peter and John obviously hit some roadblocks along the way. The first and most obvious of these is that they were quickly uh, thrown in prison. And so in this time, just in, in way of kind of context of the time that we're in, the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish high court, had jurisdiction over matters of temple violation. And so since Peter and, and John were preaching at the temple gates, all this had happened at the temple gates, that's who had jurisdiction over uh, these matters, over what Peter and John had done. Uh, but at this time, what we're told is that they had already, uh, they must have already recessed for the day, they must have already gone home for the day, and so Peter and John just get thrown in jail. They're like, all right, we'll deal with these guys in the morning, throw them in jail, we'll be back uh, tomorrow. All right, now I always kind of like to imagine what that night was like in prison for Peter and John. I imagine their night in prison might have been a little different from many of ours, at least of mine. I mean, if that had been me, at least, if I had gotten uh, thrown in prison like this, my first instinct probably would have been to panic, right? I mean, if, if I just get thrown in prison, man, I'm probably going to panic. I'm probably going to think, man, when am I going to get out of here, right? I mean, are, are they even going to let me out? What are they going to do to me? And the most important of them, am I going to get fed, right? I mean, it's like, am I going to get some food while I'm sitting in here in prison? And when I think about this, and when we hit kind of maybe some roadblocks in our work for Christ, maybe we're not thrown in prison. Maybe we're not subject to the things that Peter and John were this, in this passage, but I think the last thing that we should do is hang our heads and throw a pity party for ourselves, right? I mean, something happens in our work for the Lord, or maybe, maybe you know, your one doesn't uh, respond the way that you would maybe hope. I mean, the last thing we should do is, oh, well, I mean, I guess I'm never going to do that again. I mean, I tried that once. I mean, that went awfully. I mean, that's ne I'm never going to do that again. I must not know the things to say or anything like that. And it's, it's amazing at the littlest excuse or problem, sometimes we like to give up. It's amazing sometimes how little it takes to stop some believers. And you, you may have heard this story before. This, is, this illustration is not mine. Uh, my dad's the one that actually gave it to me to, to use. Uh, there's a story people say sometimes of uh, the, the devil was having a garage sale. You ever heard this story of the devil's garage sale? No? The devil was having a garage sale. And he was, he was selling a lot of his tools. He, he had set up some tables in his driveway, and he was selling a lot of, a lot of his tools that he, was, that he was accustomed to using. And so a man was coming up. He was looking on the table at all the tools that were laid out. And he happens to look in the back 
of, of Satan's garage. And back there in, in the very far back corner, there was a tool back there. But this tool was not like the other ones on the table. The other ones on the table were in pretty good shape, right? They, they weren't too dinged up or anything. But he looks in the back corner, and this tool that's sitting in the back corner is rusted. I mean, it's falling apart. You can tell this, this tool has been used. And so he goes up to the devil and he says, Hey, what about that tool in the, in the back corner of your garage back there? How, how, can I, how can I get my hands on that tool? And the devil looks at him and he says, No, 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 wait, wait, wait. That, that, t- that tool's not for sale. That's the one tool on this table that, that's not for sale. That, because, see, that's my favorite tool that I use. That tool, that, that's my favorite tool. It's my most used tool against Christians as they go about their lives. It's, it's the most effective tool as well. And it's my tool of discouragement. He said, it's, it's my most effective tool. It's the one that really works the best against Christians. And I use it all the time. And that tool is not for sale. The devil likes to discourage us as we do the work of ministry. And sometimes he's pretty good at it. But like I said, the Bible doesn't tell us what that night in prison was like for Peter and John, but the next day we don't see them pack up their stuff and, and with their head hung, go back home and, and just go home defeated. No, what we see is they stand before uh, the Sanhedrin boldly and kept pressing on for the sake of Christ. Peter and John were not discouraged when they hit some roadblocks along the way. And as we seek to do the work of ministry in our lives, I just said simply in way of application, ask God for the strength to endure discouraging days. Ask God for the strength to endure discouraging days. Because as you know, discouraging days will come, won't they? Hard days and discouraging days are coming. And as we are already a month and we're into our second month of our Who's Your One campaign, you might have already experienced some discouraging days in that way. The person that you're trying to reach maybe hasn't been as receptive as you would have hoped. Maybe they haven't reciprocated the the same excitement that you had for building a relationship uh, with them. They may have even turned down your your invitations to coffee or, or to a meal or even to come to service. I mean, these things can be so discouraging in our mission to reach others. And the devil will use them against each and every one of us. But when these days come along, we must, like I said, ask the Lord for strength to endure these days. Because we've looked at the last time I, I came in and preached up here, we looked at, man, the strength that we need from God to endure discouraging days. Because on our own strength, we're not going to be able to make it, right? On our own strength, our own strength will indeed fail us. But on the Lord's strength, man, we can do some amazing things for the sake of the gospel. So we must not give up at the first sign of hardship. Point three, lastly, and then then we're done. Peter and John simply, and I think this is probably the most important point of the passage, Peter and John boldly proclaimed the gospel. Peter and John boldly proclaimed the gospel. In verse 7, you can see, look back at verse 7, the Sanhedrin asks them, 
They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter lets them know in verse 8, we see that phrase that we talked about. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, right? And he just, he just unloads on them. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. I mean, he just proclaims the gospel. He just tells them, hey, this is by what name we do this, right? And and the name of Jesus is spoken here in in two different respects. The first being that in the name of of Jesus, this man was healed physically. In, In the name, by the name of Jesus, this man was healed physically. But the second is all the more important. Jesus, more importantly, provides spiritual healing. He provides salvation. Jesus provides reconciliation, right? We see that in verse 12. Look at verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved, right? And and that's it. That's it for Peter and John. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved except Jesus. That's it. And the gospel is proclaimed boldly. Amen. And in the face of persecution, in the face of being thrown in prison, in the face of standing trial before the biggest and the baddest religious leaders of that day, the gospel is still advancing through Peter and John. I mean, and that's all the more reason for us to be encouraged, isn't it? I mean, through these trials, through these circumstances, through being thrown in prison, through all of this, the gospel is advancing. And I love the way this passage ends. Look in verse 18. We read it a moment ago. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. And verse, this is the verse I love. Verse 20, as for us, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. I mean, no no matter what you say, no matter what you do to us, at the end of the day, we cannot help and we are not going to stop, I mean, proclaiming what we have seen and heard. I mean, that's it. And it's easy in, in our own lives, it's easy for us, think about it this way, it's easy for us to talk about the things that we like, isn't it? It's easy for us to talk about, you know, our hobbies or, you know, it's easy for us to talk about the the latest TV show we're watching or the movie we just went and saw or the game. Obviously, there's a big game happening tonight, right? Maybe we'll talk about how the Cowboys should have been in it, but there's always next year, right? That that happens every single year, right? right? We like to talk about the things that we like. But do we have the same passion for and do we have the same drive for advancing the gospel? I mean, we'll, we'll talk to each other about the Cowboys or, or sports or whatever it is until, until, I mean, the day ends. But do we have the same passion? Do we have the same, I mean, just, just absolute passion to talk about the gospel? I mean, we see here, Peter and John says, man, we can't help but talk about. We cannot help but share the hope that we have. I mean, and what an amazing example to take in our own lives, isn't it? I mean, at, at our schools, 
in our workplaces. Maybe your workplace right now is your living room, right? But the people that we interact with, our friends, the Zoom calls that we're on, do we have the same boldness and the same courage to advance the gospel like we see here? We don't have to speak eloquently, right? We don't have to have a three-point sermon to effectively communicate the gospel. All we need is the gospel itself. That's, all, that's the only thing that we need to boldly proclaim the gospel. Do we have the same passion and excitement for proclaiming the gospel? I mean, like Peter and John, can we just not but help speak about the hope that we have in the gospel message? Or is it just something we leave at church on Sundays? Is it something that when we walk out those doors, it's, I'll see you next week. Do we have the same passion for speaking the gospel? And so, in way of application for this point, I just said rely on the power of the gospel. Rely on the power of the gospel. Like I said, there's nothing else that we have to have. The power comes from the message itself. You know this verse, Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is active and alive. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Like I said, we don't have to have a catchy presentation. We don't have to have cool illustrations. All we need is the Word of God. And that is what will show people their need for Christ. In a way of Closing, as I close, I want to tell you a story. This is an article that came out of Houston on September 2nd, 2017. And it's titled, Texans Do-It-Ourself Rescue Efforts Define Hurricane Harvey. This was back in September of 2017. This is what it says. As a torrential rain poured from the sky on Sunday... A woman named Carrie Henry sat in her snug West University Place living room, nervously checking Facebook. Floodwaters were rising, emergency lines were jammed, and people were posting desperate pleas for help. Two elderly people trapped in a one-story on their kitchen counter since noon. Seven people trapped in a second floor. Miss Henry grabbed a notepad and began scratching down details, thinking she could connect the people in trouble with other Facebook users offering boats and high-water vehicles. Within hours, the 36-year-old freelance food stylist was running a one-woman command center from her sofa. She said this, I see some people commenting on one post and other people commenting on another, and it just clicked. I had no idea what I was doing, but I had no choice except to do it. From last Sunday through Thursday, she worked, aided at times by a friend who listened in from Hawaii. At the height of the effort, Henry estimates that she was helping to direct 39 teams of three or four boats each, well over 100 good Samaritans, saving an untold number of lives. One ordinary person. Carrie Henry was a 36-year-old freelance food stylist. She didn't have any training in disaster relief. She had never worked with the Red Cross or anything like that. But she said, I had no idea what I was doing, but no choice except 
to do it. Church, we have no choice but to proclaim the gospel message to a world that is dying, that is broken, and needs desperately the message of hope that we have. And we can do so as ordinary people, each one of us striving forward for the sake of the gospel. Here in a second, we're going to have a time response. Scott will come up and sing, and, and maybe during this time response, you would just pray. As we have started a new month, right? It's February now. Maybe you would just pray for a renewed sense of urgency for sharing the gospel. Maybe you're here this morning and, man, you just need somebody to pray with you. I'd be honored to do that. I'm going to be standing here. You can come. I would love to pray with you. Maybe you'd like to learn more about what it means to be a Christ follower, to become a Christian. Man, I would be honored to lead you in that conversation. Let's pray together. Father God, again, we are truly thankful. God, we are thankful for, God, the hope that we have in you. God, the hope that we have that, God, even as we are ordinary people, God, even as we are who you created us to be, God, that we can have a profound impact for the sake of Christ. God, that each and every one of us shares a part in the mission. God, of the commission that you give us in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. And so, God, this morning I pray that you would give each and every one of us a renewed sense of urgency. God, as we seek to be a church that makes disciples. God, that you would give each of us a renewed sense of urgency as we seek to reach the lost. God, as we seek to reach those who are looking for hope. God, who are looking for hope in all the wrong places. God, help us to be bold. God, help us to give us courage as we seek to reach the people of this city. God, again, we love you and we thank you for the time that you've given us this morning. God, if there's one here or listening online that doesn't know you, God, that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would show them their need for you. God, that you would convict them of their sin. God, we love you. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.